0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back on the good soundboard today. Sorry hey, about that last time. Nice. If if I had discovered that error like 24 hours before we had to record, it would not have been a big deal. But uh, I just didn't have the time to troubleshoot it. Like, what was it? Like, as we were doing the call?
1: Gremlins, it, my friend. Gremlins. It happens. <laughs> How are you handling your first weekend of football withdrawal?
0: Oh, God, it's pretty tough, but I got to say the stadium series for hockey really, really filled the gap. I've got nothing until March 30th when UFL football starts, um, you know, cue laugh track. But uh, the, the stadium series was awesome. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of it.
1: I watched all I watched all six periods of it. I watched a lot of hockey and I watched a lot of basketball all-star coverage this weekend. It was, uh, you know, enough to fill the Jones and you said nothing until March 30th, but you know next weekend we have devil's lightning so that is a big just giants uh battle of the uh battle of the hosts so you know if anybody who's a devil's fan or just wants to go to watch devil's lightning with us next uh sunday hit us up on the uh, socials and we'll meet in uh, newark
0: <laughs> that sounds like a threat um <laughs> uh february man that stadium series was amazing by the way i'm gonna i'm gonna have a couple of notes on that devils won the jersey battle like like the the logo and jerseys they were by far the best i would say the islanders as a distant second with the old rugby style and then the flyers didn't do anything they decided to wear basically their uniforms rangers by far the worst i don't know what that was other than a lack of effort
1: Interesting is I originally had it right off the bat. I had Devils one, I had Rangers two, I had Islanders three, and Philly four. But when they got on the ice, I was like, "Well, wait a minute. The Islander one is way better than the Ranger one." And also the hats they were wearing too. Those, um, you know, the, the 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 ski caps definitely when they were just warming up and stuff accented a a lot more too. So. Um, Yeah, they were good stuff. Um, Grumpy, have you ever been to a Winter Classic, an outdoor game?
0: No, I really wanted to go to this one too. And it it just stinks because uh, the tickets were astronomical to be in like 20 or less degree weather in the 300 section. And my my take on it was I I had some people argue with me that being up high was better because of the angle and because the the seats are designed for football. And I'm not going to argue with that. What I am going to say is I don't care how – you want to construct the architecture you are very far away up there and the yep. difference with being at an arena when you're watching hockey and you're real high up because I don't really care the the screen everything's right over the ice so you're still looking straight ahead at MetLife if I can't see shit from up there I'm looking to my right or left away well, from the ice to look at the screens and that kind of sucks you
1: know yeah there's two different types of outdoor game there's the the games that are played like in football type stadiums and then there's one that are played in baseball stadiums and the baseball stadiums, you know, the the, uh, the seats are angled completely, either, almost perpendicular to what the ice is. So you're having very bad angles anyway. Um, I went to the Winter Classic in uh, Nashville a couple of years ago and the Lightning played out there and that is played at Nissan Stadium. So it kind of, has like that football feel also. And we were in the second level, the, the club level, right when the it starts to make that turn from like the goal line over. So we had a slight wasn't exactly straight on, but starting to look over and it was fine. It, we weren't super high up. weren't super low. It's sense to me was you want to be a little higher because if you're too low, you know, again, you're the, the first row of seats is quite a bit from the ice. I mean, there's nobody on the glass. You're way out there. Um, so you want to be, you want to be kind of a little up to get the perspective, but you know, again, you're going for atmosphere. You're going because it's a huge crowd. You're going because they play music during the timeouts. You're going because of the cool uniforms. You're going for the uniqueness of it. And it's just fun. You know, it's just one of those. And Nashville treated that like a bowl game. The whole city was super into it. You know, there were probably 10,000 Lightning fans who came up from Tampa. It's a great, great event. Now, New York is different because we take everything like, oh, who cares? It's just here. So I don't know if it was the same atmosphere as like Nashville was, but it was great. It was, you know, there were fun games on TV that, uh, you know, watching the Islanders kind of choke. That was kind of fun. And then the Rangers scoring at the end, that was, you know, good times, but
0: yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm going to hit you with a couple things here. So I I agree. Uh, I think that the New York area is very whatever, and I think they would have been very whatever about this had they not made it specifically a Metro clash. With New yeah. Jersey and Philly playing, you have your Turnpike Battle, and then the Rangers and Islanders playing. I think was brilliant. It was the way to get yes. everyone to go there. They managed to get like a hundred and forty thousand people there in two days. That's pretty damn good for hockey. Um, sure, sure. Uh, I'm gonna say a couple other things here. The the I, I know they like to have fun with the uh, the Stadium Series, and they uh, they they have different like practice uniforms. Their arrival stuff is different. Uh, mm. the devil showed up in like track suits, channeling <laughs> Sopranos, which I thought was funny. That's, that's uh, great. Philly showed up in the Rocky thing with the, the gray sweats and the converse and the beanie. I thought that was pretty great. Even better. Um, the Rangers did some lame shit where they pretend they care about police and firemen. Um, I, I don't, that, that was by far the lamest. I don't even know what the Islanders did. Um, and the Devils beat the shit out of the Flyers to the point where I almost bought a Philly cheesesteak the next day just to wipe my ass with it. And um, <laughs> and I'm going to hit you with this. I, I, I understand the rules, right? I get the rules of hockey. I watched the Rangers-Islanders game. And the Rangers right. came roaring back in the third. They got right. the advantage with, with penalties. They pulled the, girl, the goalie really early mm-hmm. uh, to get the extra man advantage. And they were able to come back two goals to tie it up. The goal at the end was lame. The overtime—I mean, it was like 10 seconds in, the net pops off the thing, and I understand it's legitimate. I get that it's a goal. Still whack. It was still whack. I was so excited for this overtime, and it was over in, like, the blink of an eye, and it was, like, almost controversial. I know it it is what it is, but it just was such a letdown that that's how that game ended. It was so exciting, and it was, like, this dumb, like—
1: Well, eh. remember— they they go to three on three in overtime because they want somebody to score. They do not want to go to shootouts. Shootouts is like the kissing your sister, and I, it's really stupid because soccer is like hockey. Um, hockey is like soccer. There are points, so you know in, in soccer you get three points for a win, one for a tie. So I don't understand why they got rid of ties in hockey when they're still going to a point system. So you know. It, I guess people, Americans feel they have to see a winner or a loser when they go to a game. Well, I I think that shootouts
0: are exciting, but in sort of a one-on-one way. It's not very hockey, you know?
1: Yeah, you play Uh, a game and all of a sudden it's kind of like, you know, having them – kick field goals at the end like a field goal contest or a home run contest it's not the game
0: it's sort of it's sort of a weird way to decide a winner i think that there was something involved with the olympic rink size is larger and allows for more movement or something like that and to replicate that to let speed take over they just subtract a guy
1: yeah uh, just, and and it's
0: kind of the reason why the Devils are very good breakaways. at it. They're very fast. Yeah. yeah,
1: they want more scoring opportunities. They want more breakaways, and they want you know, if you're if you're in the zone and something, you just it's easier to, to break over the other side. That's why they do it. They just they want they want to get it done in, in the five minutes before they get to the shootout, if, if possible.
0: Last thing on the Stadium Series, uh, New Jersey Devil Nate Bastion with two goals. His first goal, which by the way, he's only had like three on the year up until this game. And then he had two in the game. First goal, whips off the right glove and hits him with the DeVito celebration. <laughs> uh, right up to the crowd. And that's going to channel us right into this episode here. We are going to it, take a look at the uh, at the you quarterbacks know, here.
1: As, you, as we get into that, the one thing I do want to say is, you know, we've been having that, you know, that debate, you know, is Saquon Barkley the face of the franchise? Well, guess who was <laughs> all over the broadcast for the last two days? One... Thomas DeVito so as much as you know you know all the Barkley fans out there think he's the face of the franchise and you can't you have to resign him at any cost because he's Mr. Giant there is one identifiable face right now for the New York Giants it is a quarterback and it's not their starting quarterback and it's not their backup quarterback it's their third string quarterback
0: it's funny. I'm happy for him because you know I don't know how much money Tommy DeVito is going to make playing football. This is his moment to make some some quick cash. Good for him. Sure. Uh, and I I think it's honestly it hasn't been cringe to me yet. A couple of things I think at the the award show that I never watch. I think there was a stupid commercial or something. But
1: yeah, I mean there. The intro to the 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 Stadium series was all about the stereotypes of of Jersey, you know, the the diners and Jersey Shore and all that stuff, and, and he, the
0: Staten Island accent. I'm going to propose something. If yes, if if Jersey is going to be associated with a Staten Island accent forever, <laughs> I say that we just annex it and make it part of New Jersey at this point, and just nobody seems to want it anyway. So
1: remember. Your co-host, The Grump, here, he's lived in Jersey all of his life. Does he sound like Tommy DeVito? Does he sound like...
0: Do I even have an accent? I mean, I I clearly do, but is it very strong? Only when I get animated, right?
1: Very, very, very light. Your parents have a much stronger accent than you do.
0: My mother you,
1: – Your sister has a bigger one than you do.
0: Oh, yeah. My sister does. But my yeah. mother is very funny. When she gets well, – you can tell when you've got her revved up because all of a sudden she starts dropping letters because like she's back on Long Island.
1: Yeah, she's got a Long Island accent. She doesn't have a Jersey accent. No. You are pretty You are pretty neutral. Um, Thank you. I have the the curse of have been living in Long Island for 14 years and Florida for 14 years. So uh, some words I can't say because I have competing accents and based on how many beers I have, you know <laughs> – and how pissed off. I basically the more angrier I get, it comes more the Long Island comes out for me. So
0: I've seen like, you stumble over to a Porta John like Popeye before. <laughs> In any case, we're gonna take a look at the quarterbacks on this roster. We're going to uh, look at who's who we had last year, who we currently have under contract, and and uh, what needs to be done in the offseason for the 2024 season. Why don't you give us a quick rundown on how exactly we're going to do this because we're going to do it every week up until the draft just about at each position.
1: Yeah, I wanted to uh, come up with a very simple way to identify where this roster is right now. You know, Grump and I have been saying now for two years we're in a rebuild. We're in the beginning of a rebuild. We're in the middle of a rebuild. We're still rebuilding. And we've been using that, you know, worst case as an excuse, best case as an honest assessment of where we are and where we should be. So want to take a look at this roster at the end of – based upon the end of the season and say looking at each player on the roster in each position group, whether it's starter, backup, third string, whatever, and kind of assign it one of three categories – Categories. There you go. There's an accent right there for you, Grump. Um, the first one is this a player we want to build around? So we'll call those guys a build around. Somebody that's a rock, a foundation, foundational piece of this team that you know is not going anywhere. We want to keep this person. Um, the second one is good for now. Somebody that is not a long-term piece. Uh, someone that for this year, next year. Good enough, good enough to be the starter, good enough to be the backup, uh, but not part of our long range planning. And the third one is move on. That is somebody that, you know, we have a problem with this person being our starter, or there is a depth deficiency because of this person. And how are we coming up with these three categories? We're gonna factor everything into this. We are gonna factor their playing ability. Are they good? Do they suck? Um, their health. Are they injured all the time? Are they healthy? Are they Iron Men? What's their contract like? Are they, you know, are they cap friendly? Are they an albatross on this on the salary cap? Um, their age. You know, is this someone that's still ascending in their career and maybe there's some development time, or are they old fossils like me who you know they're past their prime and you know maybe. If they were younger, it would be a foundational piece. Or now that they're just – well, they're good enough for right now. So we're going to assign everybody for each roster position one of these designations. And once we're done, we'll tally up everything. And based on our estimate, where are we with this roster construction? Are we still – have a lot of rebuilding to do? Or are we just a few pieces away? So um, as we go through this, starting with the quarterbacks today – as we talk about, you know, as we assign things, we'll keep a running tally and we'll keep it going. But we'll post it on, on the socials after each episode, and let you know where we're going and everything. So, that's how we're going to kind of do this for the next uh, several weeks, going into, uh, you know, as we start the, 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 uh, the, the acquisition and the cutting pieces of this, you know, with free agency and the draft and everything.
0: And as a reminder, I have another YouTube channel, the Football Grump. Uh, there's a picture right there on the screen for you. I have already looked at some of the draft solutions for the quarterback position. That was actually the first thing that I tackled a couple of weeks ago before I went to the Senior Bowl. And I am a gigantic loser because every week for the next couple of weeks until the draft, I will be releasing a new video on Monday mornings with a new position that I've already looked at the top sixteen or so players at that position in the draft. So this morning at nine thirty or so, I released a video on offensive tackles. I am already on past the quarterbacks and on to the next group, and we are going to check out the O line guys next week. So mm-hmm. I will have we'll be all the way caught up by then and uh, moving forward. Perfect. Perfect. So so if you want to supplement this video with Uh, or this podcast, if you're listening, with my video, I have a more in-depth stuff on each of the top six quarterbacks in the draft. I I go into a lot more detail there because this is going to be more casual, you and I talking, and this is going to be very Giants-centric, whereas that video is strictly about the players and their draftability and their traits and all that kind of stuff, so it's more digestible for everybody. Uh, You can look at it outside of the Giants vacuum. But before we actually start, I'm going to be drinking a Czech-style pilsner from Twin Elephant Brewing that I can't pronounce. So I'm going to just crack it open and enjoy it. And I'm drinking local brewery Twin Elephant Brewing because they're a small business that deserves their hard work recognized just like ours. So please tell a friend about Just Giants and um, subscribe and tell a friend to subscribe.
1: I'll be drinking water from the tap. Here you go state-owned. Um, I want to
0: start from the bottom up. There were three players at the 2020—and I, I, I'm only going to count the main three players in quarterback in 2023. Uh, Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, and Tommy DeVito. Since we already started talking about Tommy DeVito, um, let's go right there because I think that's actually one of the more interesting ones. I think he's kind of polarizing among Giants fans because uh, I think that he might be more popular than he is good. And that really irritates people who are very football centric. I've been, I, I think, I think my feelings on Tommy DeVito are kind of known. I, I think I've been pretty steady on him since the off season when they signed him um, up until now. I think that he's a functional quarterback that has traits, but he is very inexperienced and needs quite a lot of time. He was not pro ready or anything close to it. He was just a guy that had some developmental stuff. Some some ability that you could woodshed and maybe, maybe make a backup quarterback for cheap out of. And that's probably a hundred percent of the reason why he was acquired to begin with. Um I'm I'm sure they did not acquire him for his marketability. That was just a bonus. Um
1: And they also didn't acquire him to be playing large chunks of this season. I'm well.
0: sure when they looked at the uh playing Dallas in Dallas They were not anticipating (laughs) starting Tommy DeVito in that game. That being said, I'm going to... Well, I mean... I I think that given the situation that he had last year and knowing what I think I know about him as a player, I thought he did fairly well. Um, He's clearly not a guy that had enough time to even be coached into some of the games that he had to play. There were like two or three games that he was put in in the middle. Um. Because Tyrod can't stay healthy, um, the other games in which, and I remember the Green Bay game being like a lightning rod for the fan base of like, why the hell are we starting Devito and not Tommy Taylor or uh, Tyrod Taylor? And that might have been his best game of the season. Of course, it was on Monday night.
1: Oh, sure. It might be the best game of his career if we could, look back 10 sure. years from now. That's too. also
0: very, very true. But I'm going to go ahead and say that he is going to be in that middle category for me of good for now and developmental because I still view him the same way I viewed him coming into last year. He is still a quarterback three with the possibility of developing into a quarterback two that you could get for cheap. And I think that every team should have one of those, and we don't have one. I think that the experience he got last year is very good for him. Uh, it, it wasn't a real, it wasn't a real year for him, but the the game experience he got was still very real. And I I will say that in the games, even when he didn't look good or whatever, the moment never really seemed too big for him. Just the game itself, like he wasn't coached up and ready yet to play in some of the games. What do right. you think?
1: I you know, again, we are also talking about a third string quarterback. I mean, player X. Whoever that is, this is a third string quarterback. So my grade is definitely sliding scale as opposed to who a starting quarterback, even a backup quarterback is. Um, to me, a third string quarterback is really somebody more about what is their potential for development more than anything they actually do on the field that they have to go on. So for for me, I think he proved enough to be a good for now. I mean. He's not somebody we've seen we've seen some backup quarterbacks in this league that are move on because they, you know, they can't run an offense. They can't throw, they can't complete a pass. He proved he could at least could complete a pass. Um I am not certainly gonna put him into the uh you know the first category because I, I don't think I don't have any high hopes for him. And I think we're thinking about if we're going to develop this guy that maybe can be a legitimate backup quarterback, that's not very uh, – I don't get very excited about that. I don't put much in hopes for that. But again, he's at, coming off his rookie year. He's dirt cheap. He knows the offense. He has some experience. That's really all you really need from your third-string quarterback. So to me, that's in the good-for-now category.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, he's under yeah. contract anyway, and then after that, he's an exclusive rights free agent in 2025, so he still have the right of first refusal and everything. He makes 900 I mean, there's no reason to upgrade this, in my opinion. And if anything, the no. fact that he got live bullets last year is reason to keep him, considering the contract, considering the fact that he didn't get injured. Uh, there's no reason to get rid of him or upgrade him, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and, and let's be blunt. If we have to, if any NFL team has to go to a third-string quarterback, your season's over. <laughs> You're, you should not be thinking about the playoffs. The fact we even whiffed the scent of the playoffs is kind of a testament to how he came in, you know, and played under fire and did his job um, with a team that had injuries all over the place anyway. So I think that was just a random alignment of the stars we were even in that position. But, yeah, I mean, for... All the reasons we said, I think it's just someone you just keep on the roster and you you know, another offseason, another year of getting acclimated with the, with the offense, another chance to get some reps and we see what happens. And, uh, I'm fine with him for now.
0: Um, moving up the chain of command here. Next, we have the expiring contract of Tarad Taylor, our quarterback two was signed on a two-year deal worth $11 million. I believe there's actually still a dead cap hit for him in 2024 of like a million bucks. Uh, like probably a void year. or might have been a contract restructure. I don't really remember. It doesn't really matter. Um, this is interesting to me because the, the I know where you're going to go with Tyrod Taylor, I think. Do you? I think so. I I, I think that you're going to say that he's an upgrade kind of backup quarterback. In my opinion, he came expensive. Uh, but at the time, I didn't have a problem with the contract two years ago because I understood the need for a gap in case Daniel Jones was bad. You needed one extra year. I think that Tyrod Taylor had a similar skill set so you didn't have to change the offense away from what Daniel Jones was good at. It all made sense to me. These last two years have proven to me that Tyrod Taylor – would choke on a pill. There was nothing that that man could do without getting hurt in some way, shape or form. Like the exact opposite of Mr. Magoo. Um, I have to think that, and you've, you've made a convincing case for me over the years, pretty much over the last year that felt like multiple years that a quarterback two's job is to remain healthy And if you have to go in there as quarterback one mid-game and there is no quarterback three, you are now quarterback one and only. And you have to stop playing like an asshole. And Tyrod Taylor, even at 34, I think he is, is never not auditioning for a starting role. Ever. And for the amount of money that he seems to command, I think that he's an upgrade. Even though he's gone anyway. I think he's an upgrade. And if you don't have this, then you did a damn good lawyering job because you convinced me at this point.
1: You know, I actually thought really long and hard about this one, whether he's a good for now or a move on. But again, thinking about everything, thinking about his age, thinking about his – the injury bug, it always seems to hit him. The the most important thing is that he does not have the mindset that he's a backup quarterback. He still believes – He's a starting quarterback where, you know, some head coaches, they may get fired and become an offensive coordinator. They always think they're head coaches. They're looking for that other opportunity. The same with him. I think that offsets, um, you know, him being a veteran, a guy that seems to be liked in the locker room, you know, being in the system for for, for a while. But to me, I think you can get, there are going to be a lot of, Backups in this league and I think the backup quarterback on this team is going to be very, very, very important because, you know, when we get to talk to Daniel Jones, that's gonna be a huge conversation about what he is. But the fact is Daniel Jones is never always healthy and relying on a backup quarterback is very important. Um, I think you can do it younger, cheaper, durable. And knowing the role more than someone other than Tyrod Taylor. So to me, he is a move on char- character for me.
0: Yeah, I, I jockeyed with the good for now until I started looking at other uh, like possible free agent replacements because he's already gone, right? So like, mm-hmm. my thought process was like, you know, I don't know if Daniel Jones is gonna start week one or two uh, because of the late ACL injury. You know, we might have to have somebody start for a couple games before whatever, and it's like, how oh, you need somebody. And it's like no, because the other options are cheaper and they know their role. I, at least I think so. I mean, I don't do deep dives on some of the guys that we're going to talk about, but um, yeah, I, I you convinced me, but it was it was close because you mm-hmm. I, I do think that quarterback two on this roster is a huge huge deal for next year because I am not convinced that daniel jones is going to be ready for week one just coming back from injury and, and quite frankly i might be the only person who's still nervous about the neck injury
1: well let, let's get into it i mean it's probably the most important conversation we have to have in this offseason for one player i mean i know the saquon barkley talks and I have a lot of oxygen and i know you know xavier mckinney is going to be a thing but this franchise is at a crossroads in determining what they're going to do with their starting quarterback and that's daniel jones
0: you want me to hit it hit it i listed daniel jones as a needs to be replaced and that is with the caveat that that is not next year they are financially hamstrung they have handcuffed themselves to him for two years and this is year two of that and uh, i'm not here to talk about the contract um But it is what it is. My fear at this point is that not only have the New York Giants ruined Daniel Jones as a college kid coming out of Duke who had some very workable traits that they could have crafted into a functioning franchise quarterback, maybe not all-world quarterback, certainly not the next Eli Manning, um, but definitely a guy that could run an effective offense. They've ruined it. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with Jason Garrett, and I certainly think the injuries didn't help. He doesn't protect himself. The coaches aren't able to protect him from himself. Uh, and I I am really worried about not just the tally of injuries over the years. I mean, that one in Dallas was really scary two years ago where he couldn't even walk afterwards. He got concussed so badly. Uh, and He was like foaming at the mouth and shit. Um, and, which, by the way, I do that in the stands from time to time. So... Uh, But last year, I'm really terrified. The neck injury thing, I've said it a million times, the first couple throws in that Raiders game looked like he had no feeling in his fingers whatsoever. Uh, And then in that same game, not too much longer later for us to find out if he got any better, he tore his ACL. And, uh, you know... I understand that people come back from ACLs now and whatever, but there's still the mentality thing and and Daniel Jones' running is half of what makes him very effective. He is not so good in the pocket that he can't have that ability. He never was. It was that dual threat ability that made him a functional, you know, quarterback. And I think that picking 6 overall, you're you're within striking difference distance of the top 3 in the draft and if not there are a lot of what we think to be workable quarterbacks in this draft i think the time is now to make the move even if you don't have to yet so i designated daniel jones as needs to be replaced
1: and i designated him as good for now because mainly because of the the salary situation and even if we drafted a quarterback i would rather have that quarterback ease into the role you know having a quarterback coming in and starting on on day one is a tough task to begin with. You, you know, couple that with an offensive line that's still going to be in very much question, you know, a receiving core that, you know, as of right now is not very attractive. We don't know if Saquon Barkley is going to be back or not or anything. So to me, the little definition of good for now is Daniel Jones is good enough to be that placeholder Until we're ready to move on, I think I agree with you that he is not going to be, he's not a franchise guy, certainly. We know there's too many variables and question marks about him. I think if he was a healthy guy, you know, I think he has the skill set that can, you know, the Giants could win with a guy like him. He's not a Patrick Mahomes, he's not a guy who's going to win games for you just because he's him. But I think he has the skill sets and the the skill traits that he could be an effective quarterback, above average quarterback in this league with the right personnel around him, the right coaching and everything. But you can't you can't discount the fact that he's brittle and he gets hurt. Some things are his fault. Some things are not his fault. He's had some bad luck. He's had, you know, wrong place, wrong time. And it's just too much of a risk and too much of a potential that, you know, he's not a, he's not a franchise guy. I also don't think that he's at the point where you throw him out immediately. It's like, I can't play with this guy next year. I'd rather bring in a rookie or bring in, you know, if they decide to go in the direction of, I have to bring in a free agent because I can't play with this guy. And this is with a caveat that Daniel Jones is ready to go by like week two or three, the absolute latest. I think they can, you know, they can probably jerry-rig something to get by until he's back. So that, that's why I'm saying with this. But I don't think he's at a point where we can't start this guy anymore because he's not good enough. So that's why I'm going to have him in that good for now, but I see the writing on the wall. And if we do this exercise next year when it's more cap-friendly to do so, and you know, we made moves in 2023 to find an heir apparent, he'll probably be on that needs to go. But right now I'm going to put him on the – Good
0: for now. So it's interesting. I, I actually have the same conclusion as you, but I gave him a different designation because I think that his upgrade is inevitable. Uh, I, I decided to designate him as replaced. Um, but I agree with you. I, I, don't want. I if if the solution is like I think it is when you're drafting in the top six to draft his replacement and move on and whatever, I don't want that replacement playing week one, even if Daniel Jones is not ready to go, I don't want that I I, I don't necessarily know what the solution is and I don't know if that solution is running Tommy DeVito out there week one I don't think that's very smart either but I, I really don't want you know, everything you just said you know, bringing in a rookie quarterback to start – because what the hell happens if he wins three straight games? And then then you're stuck in this weirdo thing where he's like, wow, he's inexperienced and some of it's the coaches. You know, we talked about Tommy DeVito getting some credit for, you know, how he played last year and, and the fact that they could even sniff the playoffs was a credit to him. It is. It's also a credit to the coaching staff. Anthony Larger brought that up when we had him on, that mm-hmm. the success of the team down the stretch and the fact that they didn't quit despite all the turmoil, despite the fact that they looked like shit and, you know, your, your franchise quarterback goes down, they still hung together and they started to win games down the stretch. Um, I think that's I guess a credit. Against
1: some pretty to, decent teams too. It's
0: some pretty decent defenses. I know they lost that game to the Jets, but to hang around, I know it was a brutal game, but, uh, you know, Defensively, I didn't think we were going to be, move the ball on offense. It was just going to be a problem, um, and we kind of didn't. But
1: we, we, listen. We kicked Green Bay's ass. <laughs> we 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 kind of kicked Philly's ass at the end. Those are two, oh yeah, those are that's two definitely good, true. Those are two playoff teams, and mm-hmm. those are legitimate playoff teams. There's something to be said for that.
0: And and both of those teams fired their coordinators.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: um. But yeah, I think it's a credit to the coaching staff. So I think you could find yourself in a weird situation. You bring in a young guy and you coach him up for the first couple games to cover the difference. And, and, and now you're stuck in a weird situation. Where you, what are you going to do, bench him for Daniel Jones? I don't know. And that's not really even the major problem. I just don't want a rookie quarterback starting week one that's not even going to be picked first overall. I mean, like guys like Bryce Young looked terrible all last year. For a multitude of reasons. Um, but
1: so I guess yeah. the, the conversation then needs to go to uh, you know this is an opportunity. We're currently drafting six. There are free agent options out there. What can the Giants do to improve this position if if they want to improve the position this year?
0: So do you want to start with draft guys or do you want to start with free agent guys?
1: Let's start. Let's start with. Um, let's start with free agent guys. I think you know everybody's focusing on the draft, and we, we know who the main suspects are, and we can talk about them. But let's let's take a little into the free agent class. I don't think that's being discussed as much, you know, nationally and locally as it probably should.
0: The free agent class, to me, is interesting because there's like two guys that I think you can consider like legitimate quarterbacks like you have your your Ryan Tannehill and your um who the hell is the other for you oh well I guess there's three I'm sorry there's three you have Ryan Tannehill you have Kirk Cousins who's coming off of a pretty bad injury and I, I'm gonna consider Baker-, Baker Mayfield
1: Baker Mayfield sure
0: yeah um and I, I just don't know that going out and buying any one of those three guys is really the answer uh, it doesn't seem like something the Giants are gonna do Kirk Cousins You know, at this point, kind of old. He's definitely going to be really expensive. Ryan Tannehill you might get for a little bit cheaper. Severely limited, though, also getting up there in age. Baker Mayfield, definitely limited. Uh, He would be the one dark horse, but I think he's going to command the most money on the market. And that's why I think he's totally out of the mix, right?
1: Yeah, to me, there's two things I look at with this. One are we just a quarterback away from making a very serious run? And to me, the answer is no. And two, the only reason we're having this talk about you know getting rid of Daniel Jones is we have a potential get out of jail free card with the way this the his contract is you know was structured. And to me, that means you have the opportunity to get somebody at a rookie contract far cheaper where we need to have our cap resources for a lot of other problems that are on this team. And to me, just to, you know, to replace a guy making 40 million a year with another guy who's making 40 million a year, who's not going to be, you know, squarely someone in that franchise group that we're talking about, but it's more going to be probably a good for now guy doesn't seem to make any logical sense. So I, I don't think, you know, if they are still comfortable with Daniel Jones and willing to risk the injury thing, I think they'd rather just stay with Daniel Jones and go the free agent route. I think if they really do want to upgrade the position for going forward, it would be with the draft.
0: And that's what makes the free agent market kind of interesting is because you have a lot of guys hanging around the Tyrod Taylor sort of position. And that's where I kind of laser focused. So I'm going to list some names for you, mm-hmm. uh, starting with the least expensive – and working my way up to the most expensive based on what they made last year. Okay. Uh, cheapest that I think is almost a fit Mason Rudolph, 28 years old, only cost a million dollars last year. That's very cheap. That's like Tommy DeVito money.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not terrible for quarterback 2, is it?
1: Uh no, but I mean again, if we're thinking about a t- a, a, a a quarterback 2 who has a greater probability of playing, that might be a little Dumps are diving a little too much for me.
0: Okay. Next we have at $1.1 $1. $1 million last year, 33-year-old Matt Barkley. Uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I have some familiarity with the coaching staff. Um,
1: <laughs> I'd rather have Mason Rudolph. <laughs> All, right, there
0: very, go. Very All right. Working our way uh, further up the chain of irritating Cranky fan, 27-year-old Drew Locke, who made $4 million last year.
1: Again, we're, we're
0: we're talking quarterback yeah. two here.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm one. trying to. In my brain, it's like, can I see Drew Locke playing five weeks in a row? If I had, if I needed him. Uh. Hmm. I think if. Uh, I think if Daniel Jones was a little more stable in the health department, possibly, but I'm still not there yet with uh for a guy like Drew Locke. Keep going.
0: The next three are, I think, are the most interesting. 26-year-old Sam Darnold, $4.5 million last year.
1: Sam Darnold have the I look really good for two games and then I stink afterwards. Does so he have that type of Fitz magic in him?
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure what his story is, honestly, because when you look at it, everywhere he went and had to perform has been like a shithole. The Jets haven't really done shit. Carolina looked even worse. I mean – How much are we really blaming on Sam Darnold himself? None of us really know exactly what went on.
1: But aren't we kind of like in sort of that that category a little bit right now? I mean we're a little Uh, bit of a shithole. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: We're a glorified shithole right now.
0: I mean in terms of how much was what happened to Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold's fault and how much was his environment. Yeah. Um, I— if you're, if our conversation we're, we're, is leading us to he needs a perfect ex- environment to be good. This is not a perfect environment. Yeah,
1: we're we're, we're closer to the uh, South Bronx than we are the West Village right now. I think as far as neighborhoods.
0: Um, he is by far the youngest free agent. No, sorry, not by far, by a, about a year. But I think the talent between Donald and Locke is pretty
1: different. I'm not slamming the door on it, but uh, let's let's keep going.
0: Thirty-year-old Marcus Mariota at only five million dollars. That one I could see.
1: I could possibly see that because I have this hunch that Marcus Mariota now knows what his role in the league is. I think he's old enough. Unlike Tyrod Taylor, who still thinks he's a starting quarterback, I think Mariota – I think he's been kind of like course-corrected to what he is. And I think um, he has some interesting possibilities with the way he can still run and, and, and the mobileness about him. Uh So far, of all the ones you've mentioned, this is the most appealing one to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think – I agree with your assessment also that he, like, understands his role in the league. Watching that quarterback show that Peyton Manning made with – that was, like, behind the scenes throughout the year with Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins and him. He was, like, the most treating it like a job guy there. Like, Mahomes Mm -hmm. clearly super competitive. Kirk Cousins, I think, is a very normal guy. But you can also see that, you know – he he is a franchise quarterback and he knows what he's capable of. Was Marcus yeah. Marioni, he's like introducing to his personal chef who was also his best friend in college. You know what I mean? It very much just seemed like it was a job to him. Yeah. Um, and then here's my last one. I think this one's really interesting uh, because it's, it's more than what Tyrod Taylor made per year but not by too much and do you really need him for two years? It's 31-year-old Jacoby Brissett $8 million. The most accomplished,
1: I would say, out of all these quarterbacks. Yeah, but you know something? The thought of J- Jacoby Brissett seems to be better than the production of Jacoby Brissett. You know, it's always like, oh, they just signed Jacoby Brissett. Oh! And then just like it kind of peters out. So I think I still would rather have uh, Mariota than Brissett, personally.
0: Yeah, I. I- I think that if this were two years ago and you had a fresher Daniel Jones and you needed to sign a backup quarterback and they signed Tyrod Taylor, I would have rather Jacoby Brissett probably, I guess, at that time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is a different time. We don't really know what the deal is. Um, the free agent class is really just quarterback twos. So I, I think yes. that – do you think that they sign any of those guys to back up Daniel Jones or do you think they go with replace and that's it?
1: Well, if they if they draft a quarterback and then you're you're considering still keeping Tommy DeVito, I'm not going to keep four quarterbacks on the roster. So, uh,
0: well, I mean, Daniel Jones can still be PUP'd if he's not going to be ready by week one. So you have four weeks where you can do some roster shuffling and figure some shit out.
1: I guess it. Then I guess you just answered your question. Then it depends on the health of Daniel Jones. I guess hmm. if they think Daniel Jones is ready to go by, let's say week two. You know, um, I think they would try to, you know, free ball it with maybe <laughs> possibly even with Danny, De, uh, Danny DeVito, with, with Tommy DeVito, just get through that one week before Daniel Jones is ready. If it's like Daniel Jones is not ready till week four or so, I I could see them bringing in one of these guys. You're right. You, you bring them in, they're probably not going to be too super expensive. You can always, you can always launch it when, it, when it when the time is right.
0: I'd sign if, Danny if, DeVito's twin,
1: and we're also assuming too that they are going quarterback with their first pick in the draft too. We we still don't know what they're thinking. I mean, all the public-facing things they're saying is, you know, they're still in with Daniel Jones. But you know, no. If we were drafting third or second, maybe the situation different. But drafting sixth, maybe their guy is not there. Um, sure. How how. You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you think it's the likelihood they would even you know, trade up for the guy that they really want? I mean, do you think it's even still I, on, the, on their board? or?
0: I will hope that that is very much a possibility because of the phrasing you used. To get their guy, if, yes. you, if you're picking at 6 and your guy is within 6 picks, I don't give a shit. what. You, if he's your guy, you've decided he's your guy. You're the guy who gets to meet him quiz him, get him up at the chalkboard and draw plays and and you get to test him, test his character, and then you get to see him up close and personal and you've decided that he's the guy. You're smarter than me and you have more information than me. Do whatever it takes to get that guy. And so, yes.
1: and not only all those things you just said and you've decided you want to move on from Daniel Jones. It's a two-pronged question. It's you may say that might be my guy, but you know, I still think I'm I'm a Daniel Jones guy. I don't know if I'm going to be giving up assets to get my guy. If they've they've made that decision first and foremost that the Daniel Jones era has an infinite lifespan and we see the end, they have to make that, decision, that call first. And then they say, that's my guy.
0: Gun to your head. What do you think Joe Shane thinks of uh, that situation you just described?
1: Gun to my head. Gun to my head knowing how Joe Shane has handled contracts and things so far. I think he would prefer to have a quarterback and a rookie deal. And I think that even if there is a a drop off from peak Daniel Jones to one of what his guy might be, whether it's Drake May or whoever, I think he can live with that little decrease in ability and talent experience to save a whole heck of a lot of money in 2025.
0: Um, I totally agree with you. And I think that. It's too tempting for anybody to not say, hell yes. I mean, you're right there, and there are some really, really interesting draft targets here. And I want to kind of shift the conversation to that. Well,
1: because I'm just thinking – I keep going back to Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback on a max contract to win a Super Bowl. And that's because right now they're in their window, and they're at peak Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones is going to be at a $40 million contract or whatever he is for – this year, next year, and this roster is not going to be caught up to what we're paying Daniel Jones. So if we're not going to be there to really have that window for a Super Bowl with the Daniel Jones money, why are we spending the money on Daniel Jones? If you can get out of it, the situation has changed, and it did two years ago. And I think you, if you have the opportunity to get that get-out-of-jail-free card – You take it. I think Joe Shane's thinking the exact same thing.
0: There was very little I liked about that contract. I at one time categorized it as team friendly, which is an overstatement. That's not true. Um, But it was mainly because they managed to squeak in there a two-year out. That is essentially a two-year deal that Daniel Jones signed. Um, It's not, but it's essentially one. He understands that it's on him – To perform for two years if he wants all of the money in that contract.
1: Or or not only not only perform, stay healthy. Prove you can play 17 games. Yeah.
0: Um Shifting over to the draft. There are I would say six consensus top quarterbacks. I have a seventh for you. Um and I I don't agree that there is a hierarchy that is a consensus. I don't believe that scouts believe that. I don't think that GMs are all on the same page with that shit either. I think that maybe the media thinks so and certainly the fans think so. But I think that there are things to not like about all of the top quarterbacks in this draft. There are real concerns that I have with all of them. Um, I, like I said, I addressed this all in my video and I, I have film on in that video that I go to show all of these things that I'm talking about. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you're crazy. You're the only person I heard say that. Go ahead and watch that video. If you don't believe me, I'm going to start right away with Drake may because he's the only name we've dropped so far. He's picked up some steam North Carolina quarterback. My biggest thing with Drake may is he really seems to understand the field the most out of all the quarterbacks in this class. I think uh, it really seems like he reads the field well. He can extend plays. He can throw really accurately in the short range. I don't think he's got a long arm. Everybody says he's got this big arm, and I have I, – I can't see – I have saw multiple throws where he underthrew receivers at 45 air yards, which is not a ton because they had to stop and turn back to catch his pass at 45 air yards. That's not a lot. Um, I I have serious concerns with that that he just doesn't have the NFL big arm. And if, and if you're picking in the top five, that's a serious concern for me. Um, but to me, Drake May is probably the cleanest of the prospects. Uh, did you see any of Drake May in your college watching of your, not with the Gators, but I know you, you yeah, always put I, shit on.
1: I saw him on the, uh, the North Carolina-South Carolina game, the first game of the year. So granted, that's a whole season that was to be played since then. And, I mean he looked like a guy like a, like a kind of a prototypical nfl quarterback but i didn't come away thinking oh my god this is a guy i need to draft I, I i didn't see him i didn't look at him and say this is a potential franchise pro bowl potential quarterback
0: what's the other thing too is that his offensive line really let him down this year but mm-hmm. and that that seems to be the now i don't want to say the word excuse but the Prevailing caveat every time you bring up that he didn't dominate. Where do you think he's going? He's going to an organization that hasn't had a functioning offensive line in forever. So yeah. if, if you expect different results, you're going to be pretty out of your mind for a couple of years. It's going to be a couple of years to this offensive line is functioning to the point where somebody a rookie can come in there and not be freaking out.
1: I also kind of look at you know when it's quote unquote my guy is this this is a quarterback that's gonna align to what type of offense we're trying to run and you know and and capabilities does he look like a guy that would fit into what you know Mike Kafka and and, uh, Brian Dable are trying to do on offense?
0: You know I'm not really sure about that because they came in here with an established situation and it is sort of coincidence that Daniel Jones and Josh Allen have similar-ish skill sets in that running is very much part of who they are. They have good deep ball accuracy. They're similar in ways, even if they're not similar in production and whatever. You know, had Brian Dable and Joe Shane walked into a situation where they have a Tom Brady style quarterback who's simply a drop back and can't run to save his soul. And whatever I, I don't know what kind of offense That they would come together with And, and one thing that Mike Kafka And Brian Dable said repeatedly Over the last two years Is that this is not the Bills offense This is not the Chiefs offense This is the New York Giants offense We tailored this to what we have And what we're comfortable with coaching So I don't really know the answer to that question I would say Drake May doesn't necessarily fit What they've been running But not necessarily That that doesn't necessarily mean That it's not something they can run Or want to run or whatever Gotcha.
1: So they're not going to be – they're not going to be system-specific when they're trying to determine what their guy is.
0: I should hope not because I think that we're going to come to the end of this in a couple of weeks saying that we need a lot more pieces than we have.
1: (laughs) I kind of had that hunch myself.
0: So if we (laughs) pigeonhole ourselves into a specific scheme, I think we're limiting ourselves and it's a tight window in the NFL. You can't really limit yourself. I'm going to pop over to Caleb Williams because he was the consensus number one USC quarterback. He won uh, Heisman last two, – two years ago? He, won in,
1: he won in 2022. He
0: right. Won um, serious concerns here as well. Uh, I, I do think that there are some level of intangible concerns. His outspokenness. He's been, had a media spotlight on him. Um, I – and not going to speak on that. I just know that he's been in the spotlight a lot more than the other guys. Uh, he's done weirder. Th- I don't know. He's done things that make people uncomfortable. I don't know or care about any of that. But it is a thing, so I'm mentioning it. Regardless, you know, Caleb Williams is a guy that has the big arm. He has the, the running ability, the dual threat ability. But he also has the magic ability to him. He has a little bit of that Mahomes where it's like there are three free rushers running directly out of him. He he ducks, flips one over him with like a fireman's carry, spin moves out of another, and jukes one guy out of his shoes and then throws a 50-yard bomb to a wide-open Brennan Rice. You know, that kind of thing guys either have or don't have. And he certainly has that. He also has quite a bit of hero ball in him where mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to decide that I'm the only player on this fucking team. I'm saying that in a selfish way. I don't necessarily mean that. But like, He thinks that every single problem needs to be solved with him and does not live to fight another day and sometimes loses 22 yards trying to escape a sack that was just one free rusher. Uh, Sometimes he fumbles. He fumbles a lot in the pocket because he's trying to do 58 different things and he's really careful, uh, really not careful with the football. And it's going to be difficult because what makes him special is doing that shit. And any coach that drafts Caleb Williams is going to have the difficult job of towing the line between I need you to do this, but I need you to know when it's time to live to fight another day. That's a really difficult thing to, to, to teach, I think.
1: Here's my thing about uh, Caleb Williams is that his coach is Lincoln Riley right at USC. And Lincoln Riley has been a quarterback whisperer. He's had how many number one and Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks when he was at Oklahoma and, and now at USC. And did Caleb Williams really get that much better this year from last year?
0: Uh, I mean, no, not really. So
1: that to me is a little bit of a red flag. If you have one of the best college quarterback coaches in the country and you don't show Incremental improvement. I, I get it. He won the Heisman the year before, but coming back with that experience and, you know, playing in a a passing friendly league like the uh, the Pac-12, I would expect him to be dominant and be better than he was. And he really wasn't. So that to me, you know, and again, with all the media spotlight and the attention and everything Maybe he just was, you know, kind of coasting because he knew he was going to the NFL. And that to me is kind of a. I red was going to say that's not any better. No, because again, you only play 13 games a year. It's not like you're playing, you know, a 162 game baseball schedule or it's just like, you know, it's June 20th. I'm like, God, just get this season over with, you know? So um, I don't know. I. He might prove me wrong and be, you know,. A pro bowler or an all pro and win a couple Super Bowls, but something two plus two is not equaling four with me with him.
0: Yeah, I want to be clear. All of these guys could prove me wrong. I'm listing the one major concern I have with all of them because I do think that Same. there is a major concern with all of them. The next guy on my list is actually the guy I like the most, especially for the Giants. I think that the situation that they're in being handcuffed to Daniel Jones for a year uh, actually is good. And that's Jaden Daniels from LSU. I think that this dude, the ceiling is through the roof. That doesn't make any sense. But it, it, it's it's insanely high, and you can see it. He's got the same kind oh. of magic to him. He can run like crazy. He's got quite an arm on him. I think he led the NCAA in explosive plays, passes of over 20 yards. The biggest oh. thing is I'm not sure how much he's reading the field. It looks like half-field reads. But we saw that shit with Deshaun Watson, and I said the same thing then. I, he's only reading half the field. I don't know how this is going to translate to the NFL. And the answer is incrementally, over time. You teach.
1: I saw with my own two eyes the greatest quarterback performance in the history of college football. He had against, okay, admittedly, a bad Florida defense, 606 total yards. He threw for 350. He ran for over 200. I have never seen with my own eyes a more dominating performance a a man among boys and again the florida defense was bad historically bad but had a lot of talent you know they the, weren't the, just the a bunch the florida
0: of... defense is not the akron zips though
1: exactly that's my that's my point um you know i i also i saw him in person at the swamp in 2022 and i saw that incremental improvement from 2022 to 2023 um, you know, a a lot of the stuff you talk about, you know, reading half the field and stuff, again, a lot of that also is a product of your offense and what's being run. You know, college offenses are not as intricate as pro offenses. They are not as full field, they're not as, you know, you know, you pretty much you're coached into this is what you're doing, just do it. So, you know, I think again, from what I saw in person, this guy's got this skill set. My only question with him would be his size. Like if you look at him, you know, like that doesn't look as a rail. He doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. So again, being a little gun shy and a little PTSD about my quarterbacks getting injured. And, you know, I go all the way back to Phil Sims with that. um, I'm always going to be worried, but if he could stay, you know, put on some weight, you know, go through the, the, uh, the strength conditioning program and stuff, prove he can, he could take a lick and stuff in the NFL. He could be the most dynamic of all of them.
0: I, I really think so. I I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because it's hyperbole. But um, I couldn't
1: ne- believe what I was seeing. That night when I was in Baton Rouge. I was sick to my stomach of what was happening to us. But I, was, I just turned to my buddy and I'm like, we've never seen anything like this before. It was just ridiculous, the runs and the – just the <laughs> – the vision on, on these runs it's not just a guy who's just well he's just fast he's just maneuvering and weaving through a defense i know in multiple runs not just the ones that were 70 yards it's like you know it, it's second and 23 or whatever from something and he just got 30 yards like nothing yeah so
0: yeah. It, it really is incredible to watch and and i think a lot of it is going to be a between the ears stuff and it's gonna it's it's gonna be in the film room and in the weight room for him and i think being handcuffed to your starting quarterback for a year is like a gimme. It's like a freebie. You get you get a mulligan year on a guy who needed a year. Most teams drafting in the top five that need a starting quarterback need one desperately. I don't know. To me, it makes so much sense that, like, of course he's going to go first overall or something. Like, I just don't think anything is going to go the Giants' way with this. Um, Never does. <laughs> But I, I move on because we are spending a bit of time and I want to rattle through the next four guys fairly quickly because they're all going to be somewhat controversial. J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, national champion. Big thing on him is how much he threw the ball in Michigan and how dominant of a team he played on that was very, very run-centric and was loaded at that position. My take on him is that that's a very valid concern, and I think that he's rising in draft boards simply because the other guys have done things to hurt their stock and he hasn't done shit yet. Um, I think that he's shown that he can make all the throws. Whether or not he can... Put the game on his shoulders and win that's a different story but if that's a story that you're trying to write in year one of a player I think that that's a very difficult story to write and I'd rather not worry about a rookie having to put the game on their shoulders at all you know what I mean like I, I'm just not worried about that and I understand people's positions. that if you're picking six are pick a quarterback he's got to be able to do that and that's a totally fair argument I just think that if you're going to evaluate the prospect I'm not worried about that so much as every throw on tape looks bad, you know? Yep, yep, okay. If if the Giants wound up with McCarthy, are you flipping out? No matter where they draft him. Forget the six, fifteen, second round, doesn't matter.
1: I mean, again, I'm going to compare everything to, like, replacement level over Daniel Jones, and I think that uh, McCarthy – McCarthy is at least at Daniel Jones replacement level to me. So I'm not I'm not flipping out about it, no.
0: I'm gonna agree with that. And I think I think that you get possibly an a, a do over with Daniel Jones essentially if you draft him. You know you yeah. just said like you bring we we did everything we could to ruin Daniel Jones. I think Jason Garrett ruined him. I think switching offensive coaches every two years ruined him.
1: Not having you, an offensive line, not having a number one receiver, sure. not having a healthy Saquon Barkley. You know, blah, blah, it, blah, it blah, took blah, blah, blah. it took
0: three coaches until we got a coach that knew how to coach Daniel Jones. Now right. you get a do over, pretty much. That's kind of yep. how I view it a little bit. Yep. Um, exactly. But I, c- I can also understand fans being like, I don't want a Daniel Jones do over. That's totally valid in my opinion. Um. Bo Nix from Oregon, formerly Auburn. Um, I got to say, I put a day two grade on Bo Nix. I saw him in the senior bowl by far through the weakest ball. Didn't even throw a tight spiral. I can't imagine him throwing in the MetLife wind. I think if his name were not Bo Nix, he wouldn't have even been important enough to transfer out of Auburn to Oregon.
1: I've never been impressed with him, and I saw him in person in 20... Oof. Was it before COVID? I think it was before COVID I saw him play in person. wasn't overly impressed. I didn't get the hype then. I, I still don't get it at this point.
0: I, I made the joke in, uh, in Mobile that with all the years he've had in college, he should have a doctorate in throwing the ball, and he certainly doesn't look like he does. <laughs> um, the other guy, Michael Penix from Washington, uh, I actually think was better than Bo Nix throughout the entire year. Watched him in the Senior Bowl, and I watched him get worse throughout the week. He started out looking like the best quarterback day one. Day two was not so great. And day three was like not good at all. And then he just he just effed off and left. He didn't play the game. And usually when people leave, it's because they're hurt or because they played so well in practice they don't need the game. And I didn't think he was either of those two things. So I thought that was kind of skeptical. I think that the short area anticipation in routes and, and, and throwing to a spot where a guy is going to be is a thing that he – just hasn't shown me he can do very well he certainly struggled with it in mobile the downfall the downfield balls that you see in washington highlights and that we were accustomed to in their uh almost championship year he's certainly very good at but um you know the giants don't really make a good pocket to throw 40 yard balls in that he was getting the benefit of throwing
1: it this may sound silly but um I'm not exactly sure if I'm the Giants. I want to invest in a left-handed quarterback considering we have a whole load of problems at right tackle right now. We have a, I don't think we, that's silly at all. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, we have Andrew Thomas who's one of the best left tackles in the league. And, you know, he's the guy who's here's a little secret and a little foreshadowing. He's probably going to be in that, you know, that, uh, that franchise category we're going to have if we get to left tackles. Um, but, you know, well, you have a, a left-handed quarterback. That guy's got to be protecting him on the right side. And right now, it is a complete question mark in 2024, much less the future going forward. So um, it well, makes sense. I'll
0: even do one more thing for you. Yep. Forget the right side of the offensive line. Just take the entire offensive line. This is the one guy out of seven that I'm going to mention that has the least amount of movement skills.
1: Even, think- more, so, even more so than uh, Drake May?
0: Yeah, I think Drake may can and does uh, – they're both not very good. But I think that uh, – the other thing we're not talking about is Penix's ridiculous injury history.
1: That's true, too. Um,
0: Two yeah, ACLs? Uh, yep, and yeah, more, good. and a lot more. I detailed all of them in the other video, and so I don't have them off the top of my head. But I think he had an injury every single year going back to Indiana. And I think that w- – what I was going to say was he has movement skills, but he's not moved very well in the last couple of years, I think, to protect himself you know gotcha. I, I don't know and the last guy dark horse spencer rattler from south carolina quietly was the most consistent quarterback in mobile i don't love spencer rattler and he didn't look great down there but he looked pretty pretty consistent pretty functional i don't he's certainly not a day 1 guy i have him as the lowest graded he out of all the guys we talked about day 2 guy but He's got a little bit of that Baker Mayfield in him and we expect Baker Mayfield to make what? 30 to 40 million
1: this year? Uh who what's the common link between him and Baker Mayfield? Oklahoma? Lincoln Riley. That's right. But I mean yeah, yeah
0: yes, you're right, but uh he continued on without Lincoln Riley whereas Baker Mayfield stayed, right? That's correct. He he transferred to South Carolina. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean there's a lot of things with with Spencer But Rattler. he also
1: transferred. I mean, you know, they had quarterback on top of quarterback on top of quarterback. So him leaving Oklahoma was, just, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. was a question about, you know, playing time more than anything, I think. Not that he, him not losing a starting job at Oklahoma is different than losing a starting job at Rutgers. You know, there's a well, lot sure. of. Sure. but well, I didn't view
0: it me. that way. The way I was viewing it was more so like Baker Mayfield. W- went to Lincoln Riley and elevated his draft stock. Spencer Rattler left Lincoln Riley and is, in my opinion, doing a good service to his draft stock.
1: You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. I'm not sure that it makes a difference, but it's different, so I'm pointing it out just in Mm -hmm. case it does make a difference. I don't know. My only thing is I don't know anybody talking about Spencer Rattler right now, so I figured I'd mention it because he really was the most consistent guy through all three days and then the game in Mobile. Um and it's not like he had a shit career in college either.
1: Let me ask you something then. So you know, we talk a lot of these quarterbacks. These are day. Most of these guys are day one guys, top ten guys, probably. Do you do you see a scenario where the Giants like in the fifth round or sixth round take a quarterback where like try to get one like on the on the cheap or on the uh, you know on the value side? No. It really? Could, no. I, it, to me, it's either they're going for the gold or you know. They're if, getting it back up through.
0: If the, Tommy later. DeVito didn't play last year, mm-hmm. I think that that's far more likely. And I think you do that to get that developmental guy or something like that. You might get like a Michael Pratt or something from Tulane or. Gotcha. Th- th- yeah. That's my opinion. Or like a Sam Hartman or something like that. You get a guy like um, that, that you can develop into. But you, you, you do a better version of what you did with Tommy DeVito. Um, but. But you already have him, and he kind of proved that he's worth hanging around. So, no, I don't think this year that's in the cards. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I got no further stuff on quarterbacks. We're running at about an hour 10. You got any closing thoughts for us?
1: No. I mean, I, I wish I was a fly on the wall at uh, you know, at, at the Quest uh, facility and what they're thinking. If they've already made the decision that they are going quarterback – or are they really still all in on Daniel Jones? I mean, it's really where this franchise is headed in the next several years is that decision. I mean, more so than what they're gonna do with Saquon Barkley, more what they're gonna do than with Evan Neal, more than, you know, putting grass on the on the on in MetLife instead of turf. I mean, that's the big decision is, you know, are they ready to move on? And if they are ready to move on, how are they gonna do it? So that is, you know, once we get to April and the draft, we're, we'll know the direction of this franchise going forward. And that's, yeah, you know, that's that's story one, two, and three for me this offseason. season.
0: So GM Cranky is signing Marcus Mariota to replace uh, Taylor, and/or drafting who to replace Jones. If you have your pick,
1: well. We're talking about if my guy is available because yeah, I yeah. do. I do not think I would draft up for anybody again just because of, you know, I we we are a rebuilding team. I don't want to give up too many assets just to move up a spot or two to get a quarterback. I all things equal, and again from what I've seen, I think I'd go with Gene Daniels right now. I do, I think there is enough potential it factor with him that he's maybe a little raw than the other guys, but you know, in the right scenario with the right coaching and the right guys around him could be really special. And I don't know if Drake may could be really special. Um, I think Caleb Williams could be really special. I don't, don't think he'll be available. Um, I think he's the guy that, you know, I think he would be the guy that I would take. And I think, you know, if he was to hit, could be a real star in this town and really be something special
0: sorry there was one other question i did want to ask you about these draft guys of the seven i named rattler penix nix mccarthy williams may and daniels is there anybody that the new york market like is not a fit for is there somebody that you're like oh shit he can't survive in this town (laughs) which by the way is my least favorite thing about being a giants fan is that whole actual thing that is a thing because people decide they need to be annoying and harass people to make it true. But
1: I mean, I guess would it be Caleb Williams just because of you know now it's it's a thing about you know oh he was crying with the parents oh he wears the uh, you know the the uh, the nail polish like it's something where it snowballs <laughs> the, with the media yeah uh, and, you know something if you're going to comment about that stuff now because you're a kid in college you get to this town and all that little silly stuff gets magnified a lot and um, I I didn't get the sense he handled it the greatest way at USC this year so I think he might you know, I I think Panks would be fine here Drake May would be fine Uh, you know, Jaden Daniels plays in the SEC every SEC market is like a mini New York, you know, dealing with scrutiny for things um
0: I think McCarthy would be fine, too.
1: I think he would be fine as well. I'd worry
0: about Rattler. I don't think it's a real possibility, but I would worry about him.
1: Maybe Bo Nix, possibly. Yeah,
0: you think so? But, again,
1: I think a little bit, but I I don't think anything to make me change my decision. And I don't think I would change my decision with Caleb Williams, but I think of all those guys, I think he could be the one that – I agree with that. Could be potentially a lightning rod for more of it and it would be questioned question how he handles it. Well,
0: I, I think part of it is that he's already established a foothold for people to criticize him over non-football things. And I think yeah. that having that foothold, it's never going to go – he could be great for three years and as soon as he has a game where he throws five interceptions and the nail polish comment comes out. You know what I mean? It's oh, just, exactly. It's one exactly. of those fucking things. It's just – it's so ridiculous but it's a real thing. Um, In any case, that's going to do it for this episode, right? You got nothing else?
1: I got nothing. Um, looking forward to our next. Like, this is a great start for our roster. And I'm looking forward to doing the, uh, the rest positions on it as well.
0: Next week, we're going to be doing offensive linemen after we go Whoa. to Devils and Lightning on Sunday night. So Monday night, we'll record that episode for Tuesday morning, just like usual. So be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course, YouTube. And follow us on Twitter at football at The Cranky Fan, and at Just Giants Pod. Until next time, go Giants. Go Giants.